Hi, everyone, and welcome to another broadcast of Faith Life with Pastor Earl and Friends. And we trust that as we grow together in God's Word, you receive Christ as your Savior, you become a part of the family of God and one of our friends, friends of God and friends one of another. Today's broadcast is being sponsored by A Platinum Limousines. You have a special occasion coming up, a wedding, anniversary, whatever, a school event. You will want to contact my friend, Mike Green, and he will bring you a beautiful limousine. Mike Green, 410 seven nine six seven four three three you can reach mike at four ten seven nine six seven four three three to book your next special event well we are so glad that you joined us today for the broadcast and normally i add a little bit of music etc but um today's a teaching is a little bit longer so we're going to stay right with it. We're looking at the third church out of the book of the Revelation where John was commanded to write these things, said the Lord to him for the churches. And so Christ is speaking to each one of the churches. Remember, they are seven literal churches. They are also seven types of churches. Ephesus was desirable and yet left her first love. Smyrna, the word myrrh, meant suffering, how the church suffered. And we said this is also periods of time in the church. Ephesus representing the first century church. Time of great suffering was Smyrna, A.D. 100 to 300. And now we come to the church at Pergamos. And the church at Pergamos was a part of this um, postal route, and it was just north above Smyrna. And so Pergamos, this particular church, and why you see the title that I gave it is How Not to Let the World Choke the Life Out of You. You see, we're to be lovers of the worship of God and lovers of the word of God. But one of the things that can be our enemy is the world. Now you say, oh, are we supposed to treat the people of the world bad? Absolutely not. John 3.16, God so loved the world. Remember that. But the word for world is cosmos. It's the philosophies, the passions, the pleasures possessions, all that in, is involved in this world that we take into our system on a daily basis. The advertising world spends billions of dollars to attract our attention so that we would spend our money on a certain item, a certain possession, etc. Because it knows that there's just, it's the it's the hook they can catch us with because if we go loving the things of this world, we're not talking about the people of the world, we're talking particularly loving the 
philosophies, loving the passions, loving the possessions of the world. And 1 John 2 specifically tells us in 15 to 17, the Greek rendering is like this. Stop loving the world. Love not the world. Don't love the world with agape love. Love Jesus with agape love. For it says anyone who loves the world, this present cosmos, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love God and the world at the same time. Now, I'm going to say something, and it may be uh, may hit you wrong at first, but I'm guarding my words to say them properly. And I believe that many Christians have been through the Ephesus scenario where they're not loving the Lord the way that they should be. And maybe the world has seduced you away from the Lord. Well, I still go to church. Well, I'm not talking about that. You can go to the church and sit there and give your money or give your time and still have a heart that yearns after and longs after this cosmos, this world. And you don't want to be like Demas in the Bible. It says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. So today, let's see if we have any of that um, toxic philosophy in us that maybe needs to change. Maybe we are becoming too much like the world instead of too much like the Word of God. And that's talking about the living God and the Word itself, what it teaches. So here, our Lord is bringing this message to the church at Pergamos. And unto the angel, the pastor of the church, the called out assembly of Pergamos, write. Now, when Christ is talking, he, in this passage, uses very strong language. These things saith he which hath the sword, the sharp sword with two edges in his hand. If you hear that, then you're thinking, hmm, that's very, very powerful words. You'd never buy a Hallmark card and say, I'm the one that has the sword in the hand because the sword was always used for correction or for war, etc. It's a two-edged sword. Revelation 1.16 talks about this sword of judgment. Chapter 2 and verse 12 and 16, 6 and verse 8, chapter 19, verses 15 to 21. So the Lord has a sword which he likes to separate the word from the world. And so I have this happen in my own life. Sometimes just the love of the world gets a chokehold on me. And so in this verse, we learn about that. Well, it was partially due to the environment. Here in Pergamos, it was a prominent city, only 20 miles from the beautiful Mediterranean Sea, unbelievable amounts of wealth there, temples and idols and groves. They had, as a city, really apostatized from the true and living God and began to worship idols. 
There was a pagan center for the cult of Athena, Asclepius. When you hear that, remember, think of the serpent. And so that's not good because the serpent is identified with Satan. Dionysus, Zeus. There was also tremendous education there. There was a library of over 200,000 volumes and Anthony gave that as a gift to Cleopatra. I bet she loved the novels or whatever. But here there were many um, magnificent temples that were built to these false gods. One of their sources of great wealth was Pergamus or Pergamina, was one of the first places in the world where they made paper or parchment, which that, having books and all that, um, we're getting away from all that now with all of our electronics. But it was also noted as the seat of Satan. can have reference to that um, serpent worship, the Asclepius, but also there was a throne there for Zeus. It is now actually, you can go to, I believe in a museum, look it up on the internet in East Berlin. It's actually still intact. In verse 13 of chapter two, he says, I know your works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. You may feel that your neighborhood, you may feel that your city, you may feel that your job or your family is just giving themselves over to evil, giving themselves over to Satan. And he says, and yet you're, you're holding fast my name, which was a commendable thing that they were still trying to live out their Christianity and it says, and they had not denied my faith. And so maybe you're still trying to live a Christian life, but your heart and your mind has become worldly instead of wordly. And by word, we talking about living by the word of God as maybe you used to. Even in those days wherein Antipas, the word Antipas, is a word that means against all. It said, he was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. You can read about Antipas. He, Antipas, he was a real individual that stood up against all the idolatry and all the immorality that was in the city. And they took him and they put him inside a brazen bull uh, lit that on fire was a terrible death, but he was called my faithful martyr. Some believe that it was right on the uh, throne of Zeus where he was slain. It says he was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. So Satan, the evil one, had a great stronghold over the city, over the culture, over the people, and we're seeing that in our country as well. He says in verses 14 and 15, they had some doctrinal or theological problems as well. He said, I have a few things against thee. 
because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. There are two things, idolatry and immorality is what was the doctrine of Balaam. Balaam was a prophet of God, and yet Balak, the leader in that region, hired him. So think about that, prophets for hire. Think about a preacher, an evangelist, or someone that's just doing it for the money. They're not doing it for God. But that's a prophet for hire that's telling the people not what they need to hear, but what they want to hear. You can go into the average church and not hear about immorality anymore, not hear about idolatry anymore. And yet those are the things that keep us from true worship. Our Lord wanted us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit without truth leads to wildfire and truth without spirit leads to legalism. But here we see that Balaam taught Balak to cast a stumbling block. They, uh, he wanted, Balak wanted Balaam to curse Israel and he was unable to do that. You know why that is? Because it's a greater biblical principle that you cannot curse what God has blessed. Just remember that. And in Genesis 12, they had the blessing of God and people may try to curse you as a Christian, but they cannot because you are blessed. Verse 17, listen to this. He that hath an ear, or maybe 16. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Have you allowed immorality in your life? Then you need to confess it, forsake it, get away from it, change your mind, will, and direction. That's repentance. But whoever will have an ear, are you listening? Not just the ear that's attached to your head, but your heart ear. Are you listening what the Holy Spirit is saying? Because I know this, if you're a genuine Christian and you're involved in any kind of immorality or idolatry, and you say, well, I don't worship any statues. I have no statues. I have no idols, but you can worship money. You can worship your... um possessions. You can worship your home, your automobile. So if you find that these things have crept into your life, remember this, it's not wrong for you to have things. It's wrong for things to have you. And so don't fall in love with the material things because you know, realize as a Christian that you are someone that does not own anything. We're merely stewards. We're managers. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Our Lord in the wilderness fed the children of Israel when 
it was impossible to even find food, but God sent them manna from heaven. As a believer, you don't have to trust this world system. You need to trust the God that you worship. And as you overcome and you take your stand for the Lord and you don't deny your faith and you decide to be faithful and you decide to make a difference between you and the world, the Lord said, if you overcome, I'll give to eat of the hidden manna. The hidden manna is Jesus will provide for you. Jesus will present bread for your life. He talks to us in the Lord's Prayer about give us this day our daily bread. And that's not just physical sustenance. Jesus is the daily bread. Jesus is the one that satisfies the deepest hunger of our heart. He said, I will give him a white stone. Some say this might have been a diamond, but I don't think so. The idea in a court in that time was if you were convicted of a crime, the um, judge would place a black stone in front of you, which meant guilty. If he placed a white stone in front of you, that meant that you were acquitted. And so here the Lord says, I'm not going to hold you accountable if you will turn from your worldly ways and turn from your sin, and I will give you a white stone. And in the Stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saying he that receiveth it. So I wonder today, maybe you're wondering, well, I love the things of this world. I love the money. I love the material things. But that is not the reward that you should be pursuing. You should be pursuing and I should be pursuing the presence of God. Well, that was a powerful word from Christ. And maybe today it's the word for the church. And as my little image on the front says, um, don't let the world choke the life out of you. Repent of the things that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. Not me, but the Holy Spirit. He's telling you what you need to change. Something in your moral life, immorality or Maybe some idolatry you need to be releasing and stop worshiping the idols of this world. And if you don't know Christ, I trust that you'll come to him today. Let me lead you in a prayer of salvation. Dear Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. And right now I just repent of my sin and my sinful position and passions and I receive you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you. If you're listening as a Christian that's backslidden, return to the Lord with all of your heart, and he will release his blessing on you. We love you. We're praying for you. I know this is no ordinary kind of teaching, but we're teaching from the word of God. This is the broadcast, Faith Life, with Pastor Earl and friends. You can reach me with your prayer requests 
or maybe you'd like to help underwrite the ministry. We do not ask for finances for the from the listener, but if you feel led of the Holy Spirit to help us expand this ministry, then just drop me an email at charisman, C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A-N, charisman, means grace man, 1234 at gmail.com. And God bless you. We love you.